Gentlemen, welcome to Point of View. Great to have you here in studio. A lot of conversation, obviously, about this red flag law. I think some people may be surprised that you guys were there at the presser support it. So let's just start with that. Chief Todd, why um, do you support it? Yeah, you know, uh, Carla Rose Hansen's a representative there, and she uh, approached both uh, Chief Yonke and I uh, about uh, interest in this bill. And at first I was a little bit hesitant, but she kind of told me her rationale behind it and what she was trying to accomplish. So we kind of teamed up with her and, and worked with her on, on the bill. and and got it to a point where we think thought it was a workable bill. So what sold you on it? <clears throat> well, what sold me is my, my own experience on the street. Um, as a, being with the Fargo Police Department for 31 years and, and a good chunk of that out on the street and dealing with mental health issues out on the street has just increased for our officers. And, and some of those mental health issues uh, uh, surround suicide uh, or people that are in crisis and thinking about suicide and so this is uh, something I saw as a tool in the, in the toolbox that we can use to sometimes <clears throat> when people are in crisis perhaps it's good to uh, put a little bit of uh, time and space between them and a firearm so that they don't make a, a, a bad decision and, and something traumatic happens. But that's the thing, you brought up mental health, so why, why not use a mental health approach rather than uh, eliminating or infringing on someone's constitutional right? I think it's a comprehensive plan that needs to come about with this. You're right about that. Just removing the gun in and of itself doesn't solve the overall mental health issue. We need to make sure that they're able to get the services that they need when they're in that mental crisis. Our officers are on the street dealing with with these types of calls almost every day and they're having to act as you know mental health providers and we, we need to have a system where there are enough services available that those in mental crisis can can get help and get better because I think the other issue is it says hey we've this is possible if somebody's deemed dangerous or propensity propensity for violence and if they've got a mental health issue do mental health people always follow the law well this is like, like Chief Todd said mm -hmm. they're, they're in the crisis and they have this weapon capable where they may be threatening to harm themselves or to others. But I guess what I'm getting at is I think we can agree that not everyone's going to follow the law. The DOJ just came out with a new report today that of the, the crimes from firearms that have happened, only 7% of those firearms were bought from dealers. So if I've got a propensity yeah. for, for to hurt people, just because I now have it removed doesn't prevent me from going to the black market to go get a firearm. Uh, it, and we understand that. We can't prevent everything, nor... I mean, that's not, that's not realistic, but let me just give you a, a common scenario. Uh, police officers get uh, called to check on a suicidal person. By the way, that happened uh, last year 1,377 times in the city of Fargo. One, that is oh, 1,377 calls for service on checking for suicide on a suicidal person. But you get there and that person, let's say, has, has a gun. Uh, has suicidal ideations, you're able to talk them down, get them to put down the gun, get them to go to the hospital with you where they, they uh, uh, are dealt with in the emergency room. Um, it's, it's not uncommon for them to be back at that house the same day that we were dealing with them, but we don't have a mechanism to move the firearm <clears throat> from that situation, and we know as police officers that the potential for something bad to really happen is there. All right, let's get let's move on to this because I posted on Facebook you guys are going to be here, and so somebody brought up an interesting point. When you yeah. guys are sworn in, 
you swear yourselves in to uphold the Constitution, correct? Exactly. Yes. Yep. Right. And so in the Second Amendment, I'm going to read the second half to you. It says, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Yeah. So <laughs> you're talking in the middle of that one. All right. So obviously I'm not a constitutional <laughs> scholar, but, but as we look at this and the Supreme Court has spoken on this and, and two other courts have already looked at these red flag laws. And, you know, in, in the District of Columbia versus Heller in 2008, the Supreme Court made it clear that the Second you Amendment... You sound like a constitutional scholar. <laughs> the, the, the Second Amendment is not just a free-for-all when it comes to gun rights. You know, it doesn't say that you can just carry whatever gun wherever you want to in whatever manner you want. And it specifically says when it comes to felons or those mentally ill that the Second Amendment has those exceptions. In addition to such protected places such as schools or government buildings. So this, I, I understand the, you know, all the, the Second Amendment arguments that are going on, specifically on social media the last day of, this is about the government kicking in doors and taking guns. That, that's not what this is about. And actually, the Second Amendment and the Supreme Court has spoke that, you know, this is an exception when it comes to the mentally ill. But that's my point, because in, within the law, it reads that, hey, if the person's got a propensity for violence or emotional unstable, and it may even be in the future. So now you guys have to go out there and be like pre-crime people. This is all allegations yeah. at this point. Well, I have let, not let been me, deemed. Let me give you an example. Uh, of, let me let me just. I'm not. I've not yeah. been deemed mentally unstable at this point. Yeah. I have not committed any crime. But y'all can walk in and infringe upon my constitutional right. So, as far as these types of calls, in West Fargo last year we had just under thirty thousand calls for service. This is a law that we would maybe use a handful of times, and this is the type of call where we're there on scene, and it's pretty clear for our officers who have been trained in this that there's a mental crisis going on. I think you brought it up in your show last night of, you thought this would be more of, we get this warning, go back later, and we're putting our officers in danger. You're exactly right on that, and that's not what this is intended for. This is, we're on scene, we're dealing with someone in a mental crisis that has that weapon, we're going to help them and stay there and get this warrant signed by a judge so that there's due process rights followed throughout this law and remove that weapon because you're exactly right. If, if we're later sending officers their days, we're, we're putting even more at risk. So I want to clear that up of this is all happening simultaneously. But, but th this is where I think the rub is going to be, gentlemen. And, and look, I don't do what you guys do. I can't even pretend to think that I could or can, okay? but but. And maybe maybe I'm wrong. Do you guys perceive yourselves to be perceives yourselves to be mental health experts? No, I would, but I so would let not me, say let me, let I me, would not say that. But we, we do receive training in that. We're, right. we're not we're not PhD mental health issues, <clears throat> but we're common sense people. We see people with guns on a regular basis threatening threatening to commit suicide. This give us, gives us a mechanism to apply for a warrant through a judge, telling the judge what we're observing. The judge then makes the decision of whether we can do this or not. If the judge signs off on the warrant, as, as Heath said, <clears throat> we're staying on scene, we do this electronically, he signs off on the warrant, then we'll that take possession of the warrant. That even concerns me more, sir, because we'll get to the due process in a moment. You're telling me on scene in the moment you're gonna confiscate my constitutional right based off you making a decision yes. where you're not a trained, and again, I don't mean to just, but you're not in that field an expert. And, and look, I know both you guys, okay? I don't think you guys were ever gonna uh, do something that would not be appropriate in the context of mm -hmm. this law.
But you guys, let's, you're not going to be here forever, right? And I know you may chuckle at this, but I used the example last night. I look at the FBI. I mean, there was not an iota of evidence to put, open up a counterintelligence investigation on the president, and yet they did that. So what's to say that some police chief or police officer can go, eh, I don't really like this guy. I've heard bad things or whatever. I'm going to deem him to be mentally health. I'll do this electronically with a judge, and now I've uh, ripped him up his own firearm. I mean, we have to have faith in our law enforcement that we are putting the right leaders in place and, and the standards that we have here in North Dakota and the core values that we follow to make sure as we go through history and, and into the future that there's never a question on the, on our integrity as law enforcement to do the right things. And that's why I'm but saying... But that's what I'm saying. Go say that to the seventh floor of the FBI. You know, uh, I, I don't, don't want to I mean, I don't, I don't get just, into the I'm FBI, but... You know, to, to say there's no evidence and they just opened a case, uh, when it comes to a, a foreign counterintelligence, uh, you have to have predication, and it, so a case like that has to be signed off on numerous, numerous levels. So uh, I don't, I don't want to debate that, and obviously that's a classified material, anyways, I have no knowledge of it, but there, there's more than just to say, you know, there, there was no evidence whatsoever and, and they just opened a case that... No. But and we're getting off track. Here. This is the same. <laughs> no, but, 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 but same what I'm saying process. is, we hold these people in a certain light. This is the same process as a search warrant. So, you would probably, by, by our, your argument, contend that by me executing a search warrant on you, that I would be violating your Fourth Amendment rights. But you would have but, probable uh, cause. And, and that's basically what we're having here. The same thing. The probable cause that we're observing at the moment, at that time. We're relaying that to the judge. The judge is treating this the same as a search warrant, signing mm -hmm. off on it, and then giving us permission. Now then, after that happens, so can I ask you guys this question? Days, that person has a chance to come. What determines the probable cause there? Because again, I, to me, it's a very subjective thing to say. Okay, that guy's mentally unstable. He's got a propensity for violence. That okay. is such a subjective thing to be in. Who and how do you, like, what's your standard to make that call? Well, you, you know, when you talk about probable cause, it's a reasonable belief that a crime or something has been committed is the standard, and that mm -hmm. is, you know, uh, gathering facts and evidence to determine. Is it reasonable? And obviously that is what the officer on scene is, is gathering. Is it reasonable that this person is going to hurt themselves or others when they are gathering facts. And it could be talking to witnesses, it could be talking to the individual themselves, and putting that all together and then putting it in an affidavit to the judge saying, here's why I believe. This person had a gun to their head and said, I'm going to kill myself. We arrived on scene, talked to them, they confirmed it, a weapon was found. Those types of things are what is articulated in the search warrant to show they are a danger. Somebody asked on Facebook as well, can you guys name a specific instance that you maybe are aware of that this law would have saved somebody's life? I, I can, I don't know about saving a life, but we've had issues in West Fargo as we talked about this a, a year ago when yeah. it started of where this would have been used. And let me give you one example. Uh, an individual uh, videotaped a gun to his head saying, uh, amending it and sent it to his girlfriend. We immediately responded, um, spent hours uh, trying to get the individual to, to come out or not knowing if he was dead on the inside. Um, lots of resources going into it, dangerous situation, had the, uh, used a robot to go in and thankfully he hadn't done it. But uh, we get him to come out, our officers that are trained on the crisis intervention team talked him down um, and they took him to the hospital to get checked out. As we're sitting there on scene, um, someone said, well, are we going to take the gun? He just, we have a video of him putting it to his head saying, I'm going to end it. 
And uh, as we started talking about it, we had no legal means to go back in the house and, and remove that gun. So now he went to the hospital. Um, he was calm by that point, told the doctors, no, I didn't mean it. He was let go, essentially beat us back to his house. And now we're right back there with, with the gun, with all this that just happened. But is that, he still alive? As far as I, I know, he's, he, yes, still alive. Okay. But that's an instance of just your being there on scene but saying, but, that's just not a healthy situation. Can we give some time in between him getting out of the hospital and removing that gun and going through this process would have... So not to get too specific here, but so you, the, the, obviously the law now states, hey, you got 14 days to get in front of a judge to deem this person is a, a harm to himself or others. Would you have stood up and said, hey, judge, I think you need to take away this guy's firearm for a year, or would you reinstate it after 14 days? You know, th that depends on follow-up and investigation okay. of what is going on. Has he gotten help? What was the... You know the motivation for that night it's hard to say without knowing everything about it. it i want to play a clip from yesterday's press conference about you uh saying this and give you guys a chance to respond this bill gives law enforcement a tool to remove a weapon from a person who is a danger to themselves or others to prevent them from harming themselves or others this is all done while ensuring there's due process by having a judge look at all the facts to determine whether the weapon should remain or be returned to that individual. So the big question is, where is the due process? Yeah, I, I think when, when we talk about due process, we're talking about fairness and justice to ensure that life, liberty, and property is, is not abused by the government. When, when you look at due process overall, there's really three key factors as I look at it. One is you have to give notice to the person. The person has to have the ability to, you know, to be heard and then there should be a neutral fact finder are really some of the, the key elements when it comes to looking at due process. So when we look at this law that as it's been drafted, one, we're there having to have a search warrant by the judge and we're providing notice through that if it's signed off on with a receipt. Part of the 14-day petition is they have to be put on notice. The burden is on the government to show by clear and convincing evidence at that point that they are a danger and they have the right to be heard at, at that hearing. The last one is, when you look at due process, having a neutral fact finder. This isn't us as law enforcement but, making but, but, that. It's but, always going to be a judge either signing off on the search warrant or issuing that protection order. And, and Glenn, I'm not a constitutional scholar either. So I guess my hallucination is that you've taken my firearm. You said I've got a right to happiness, you said, or life, liberty, and property, right? Mm -hmm. You've just taken my property. But now I had no opportunity for due process for that. At the actual hearing, they will, though. That, that's the whole point of... We're, we're taking that ex parte with that search warrant initially, but that's within 14 days then there has to be the hearing before Because the that's what I'm saying, an ex parte, I don't have any say. You, you just said in the due process, you're going to have say. Ex parte, I have no say in anything. But that, just... That's the same as any search warrant. When we show up to search a house, we don't ask you, hey, is it okay if we come in and do a search warrant? We're showing there's probable cause to show there's been a crime that's been committed. Right, but life, liberty, and property. That You can come into my house, but you can't take anything. Under a search warrant. I see what you're saying. So, see what I mean? It's the same type of thing. It's the same as a search warrant. And, and actually, if there's probable cause to exist that you committed a crime, you commit a crime in front of me, I can take you into custody. You then have your due process by appearing in front of the judge in the next day. So I'm taking your liberty when I do that too, but there's probable cause that exists to do that. 
and let me just add, our, our officers don't want to be out taking no. people's right. guns. I think we that's don't. a misconception. We don't want to do that. And this is really a last resort. If we have a family member or something that we can have the individual voluntarily relinquish the rights and give it to a family member, something along those lines, that, that's yeah. best for everything. You know, there's an administrative burden that goes with this. We're taking up court time, uh, our evidence room, all those things. This is really that last resort of there, there's no other options, but if we leave it there, something bad can happen to that person or someone else. Totally get it. I trust you guys. I know you guys. I think that the, the hiccup is that you're also asking a lot of other people to blindly trust, and sometimes that's an issue when it comes to their Second Amendment rights. A perfect example is this. I know you already alluded to this, but for our audience, I want to play. There's already a red flag law in Maryland. There was an incident that happened. I want to play this clip for our audience and then give you guys both a chance to respond to it. County police say they came to a home on Linwood Avenue near Broadview Boulevard to take weapons from 60-year-old Gary Willis. They say two officers knocked on the door and Willis answered, armed with a handgun. Sergeant Jacqueline Davis says at first he put the gun down and stepped outside to talk with police. He was fine with the officers until they told him, hey, we're serving you with this order and this order orders us from the court to take your guns. At that point, she says Willis went for his gun. One of the officers tried to grab it out of his hand and Willis pulled the trigger. That bullet didn't hit anyone, but it prompted the other officer to open fire, shooting and killing the gun owner. Chief, I hear that story, Chief Todd. I, I can't imagine being in your shoes and saying, hey, sir, you've got to go to that person's house and take their firearm. And that's what we want to avoid. We want to take care of this while we're on scene, not come back a day or two later. If we truly believe this is an emergency, we're not going to leave that scene. We're going to stay with that individual, make sure they're okay, get them the help they need, take care of this, this basically what is a warrant on scene while we're still there. Because we don't want to be put in the position of going back several days later and trying to, trying to execute a judge's order. Thank you guys for the time. I really appreciate it. It's such a hot topic. It is. Really you know, we had, we had 33 suicides in Cass County last year, and seven, let's see, 17 of them were gunshots. I can't believe you had over 1,000 calls, but no. we've got to wrap it up there and leave it there. We'll have you back. We'd love to have you back, okay? Sounds Thank great. Thank you, Chief.